0: you're listening to grace and fire brought to you by emerging women today my guest is tosha silver for the past 30 years she has taught people around the world ways to align with what she calls inner love she's the author of outrageous openness letting the divine take the lead and the recently released change me prayers the hidden power of Spiritual Surrender. She also has an audio program called Embrace the Divine Meditations on Spiritual Surrender. Tosha also runs an online school called Outrageous Openness where she teaches her students how to think like a goddess. Tosha will be a featured presenter at the 2016 Emerging Women Live event this year in San Francisco October 13th to the 16th. Hope you can make it. In today's episode, Tosha and I spoke about her journey and how she's become so immersed in the work of the divine, how the everyday and the mundane coupled with the divine are actually the same thing, the distinction between mindfulness and being led by the divine, this idea of surrender versus will and how they can mean the same thing, being receptive and how to read the signs, what the divine is actually trying to tell us and also how to use the body for communication, interpretation, and openness to divine guidance. Finally, we talked about how the divine can actually shape your vision for the future. Here's my conversation, Outrageous Openness, with the wonderfully divine, Tosha Silver. Okay, welcome, Tosha. Hello. Hi, nice to be here. Yay. Now, you are in Northern California.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm near Oakland. Okay.
0: Nice. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you. I think that the whole topic of surrender, and specifically to the divine, is near and dear to my heart. And anytime I can Get more practice and more perspective on that. I'm super grateful. I feel like right now in my life I'm in the middle of needing a tune up specifically in this regard, so <laughs> I'm ready to dive in. I wanted to start with just a little bit about you and your story and how you came to be so immersed in this work
1: sure I just, well okay this this one of the most direct ways to talk about it is that I was on my own kind of spiritual journey even in my 20s and yet as you may well know it's completely possible to be very immersed in the spiritual journey and know almost nothing about surrender and be completely driven and overwhelmed with fear and overwhelmed with a kind of push that eventually burns out your adrenal system (laughs) and that's really what happened to me in my 20s and at the time you know i write about it in in the first book in outrageous openness you know it was mystifying on one level because it's like wow i've been meditating i've been doing yoga i've been doing all these things but the inner letting go had really not happened at all and that's as i say not that uncommon and I ended up, you know, by the time I was 30, very, very sick, and my whole adrenal system had sort of collapsed. And during those three years, when I was pretty much bedridden, I had a lot of time to think. And, you know, it really became that issue of, I no other way to say it, that, that the true spirituality is the letting go. It has nothing to do with You know, giving the universe shopping lists of the next things that need to occur, or of having a vision board of all the things that are wanted in order to be happy. That Mm -hmm. all of those are tricks, they have really nothing to do with what I would call true yoga, which is yoking yourself to the inner divine. And it's like once you do that inner yoking, which I guess for me, I had no choice because I got so ill then something very different happens. And it isn't passivity in the least. It's the subtitle of the first book is letting the divine take the lead. And and that is honestly when the all the agendas and all of the subtle manipulations and everything that we're taught to do by the culture. It's not because we're crazy. The whole culture is that kind of push, push, go, go. Once those things begin to be offered, I think offering is sort of the key to the story. As they're offered, then the right actions begin to emerge spontaneously themselves. And it was just all stuff I had to learn really to get well and yeah. how to um, how to live. It was a whole different sense of identity, of letting the actions come through, offering myself to the universe to use me, as opposed to how do you use the universe to get what you want, which is pretty much the orientation of the culture.
0: Right. You know, we have our audience um, is very much in what I call this emerging space. So there's a lot of fire, there's a lot of catalyst energy, and women who are, they're either, you know, starting businesses or scaling businesses, or they're in leadership positions, or they're in between successes. But the commonality across all industries and positions in their career is that they want to live a life that is in alignment with the truth of who they are. And when you have that, you know, connection on the inner, it just becomes like a fire, like you can't not do it. And there's an energy mm. and a ah. And, and so I'm curious because when that energy comes forward, it's a huge amount of creation. These are not people that are ready to go and, you know, do a month retreat in a cave, so to speak, or even meditate for two hours a day or one hour a day. So, um, all of those things are hard when you're with this creative energy. And I'm curious to see how this all fits in with that.
1: Oh, I think it very much fits in because I don't think any of this necessitates running off to a cave in Nepal. It's, it, right. I'm such a practical person, and and really love sort of spiritual practi- pragmatism, I would call it. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, I always joke about this that a lot of the things that are in both books, you could practice standing in line. To make a withdrawal at the bank. You could stand in, you know, you could be driving on the freeway and you practice them. They're, you don't even necessarily have to have a meditation practice if you're not ready for that. It's really an inner, an inner orientation. In a sense, you could say, like, let's say with a business, rather than thinking of it as, oh, this is mine and I'm going to make my mark on the world and I'm going to change the world, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it in itself, is exhausting uh-huh. it often leads people to burnout
0: yeah
1: it often leads people to disappointment when the results don't match what the attachments are and so there's this act of offering that mm-hmm. is really in both books where you can have all that fire that's I mean I'm a very fiery person myself uh-huh. there's nothing wrong yeah. with that but you're offering that enthusiasm you're offering that excitement to love you're you're not offering it to the ego which is basically mm-hmm. what a lot of new-age training is it's like oh, I'm gonna make it mine I'm gonna make it happen and that's all coming from the posture mm-hmm. of the ego mm-hmm. it's absolutely different when you claim that same fire that that's how you're made that's how you're made that's great and you literally are offering it to the highest and you're saying I'm now giving you this vision and Now you're really saying to the universe, let the doors that open, open. Let what needs to happen, happen. Guide my steps. Guide my way. This is an eminently practical way to live. It is, Mm -hmm. yes, the opposite of a culture that says, you do it. You make it happen. But what's ironic is I found it often opens doors that never would happen for me, ego in a million years. And that's really occurred to me with both books. Is When the books came out, people were like, oh, so-and-so, they'll never talk to you. You know, you're like a new writer. And I would just say, really? Because the books are offered and the divine can open any door if it's meant to happen. So it's not my push, my business, my thing. It's like it's a very different surrender that allows room. Mm-hmm. for all kinds of surprises. And it also means that when things don't happen, they'll be either meant to happen later or they're not meant to happen because it's a different route. You're not carrying the burden of what I would call doership, that burden of it's all mine and I'm either a failure or a success based on what my ego does. You start to get shown what to do from the intuition without that exhausting attachment. Right.
0: One of the points that you make, um, and, and actually just the things that you write on, is the sort of interplay between what we would call just like everyday, you use the word mundane, sort of physical gross reality of our existence and the divine, and how... Yeah. You know, we we think of those things as two separate things, but you're you know very much make the point that they're actually one. And I'm curious to hear you speak more about that.
1: Yeah, that's a great topic, I think, because I always laugh. You know, when when people will say, "Well, you know, I have to go do something spiritual. I have to go to a yoga retreat," and then they'll come back and they're like, "Oh God!" And now I'm in my daily nightmare. And I always think, well, you know, actually, the the real yoga. Is applying it here because there's nothing that's not spiritual so I kind of think you know when you find out let's say uh, that you have to suddenly move or when you find out that you know the person you're dating isn't right for you anymore that all those things are absolute opportunities in the moment to call in this force of love and actually say okay, show me the right actions to do. Or you could say, but they have to move. It's in the book. The first, the perfect next place for me to live is already selected and I'll be guided to it. It's like it's immediately casting the burden to this higher energy that lives inside of us. Same thing with a relationship. You know, you can take something that's really traumatic and you can go, okay, I'm... Casting the burden of this relationship, show me what to do if I'm meant to leave this person, great. Show me the actions, give me the courage. It's so different than thinking that this is all on our own shoulders. And so to me, as soon as that door is open to offer it, anything becomes spiritual. You know, <laughs> cleaning yeah. out the, the lint from the dryer can be spiritual. It's like there's just nothing that's not included.
0: All right, let's use that example a bit, like cleaning it, you know, unloading <laughs> the dryer. Because, like, I'm I'm having a hard time here with that one because having that be spiritual. What is the? I mean, I don't know. Is it like mindfulness? What you're talking about does yeah. not feel like mindfulness in a way, you know. Well, but
1: what, okay, but I'll give you an i ex- will give you an example. Yeah. Like, if we go down to cleaning, say, yes, because yeah. I, you know, I I run this forum online of lots of people who want to learn how to live this way. And one of the things that comes up sometimes is like there are some people who have incredible resistance to keeping their spaces clean. Like Mm -hmm. it's always Mm -hmm. a struggle. And they're like, oh God, there's just no time. It's a hassle, blah, blah, blah. And this act of offering, again, not seeing like my struggle, my push, whatever, I have convinced in the course of this, you know, these classes said to people, take this issue of keeping your house clean. Offer it to the divine, this inner force of love. It's not some guy in the sky, right? It's inner force of love. Offer it over and say, show me the first actions. Take this burden. Show me the first actions. Mm -hmm. And if I need to get rid of a ton of clutter, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Show Mm -hmm. me the actions. Begin to show me what to get rid of and what to keep. You know, it's like very practical, simple, fundamental actions that their ego is meanwhile going, oh, I don't want to do any of it." blah, blah, blah. But this act of offering leaves it separate from the ego. You're inviting in this larger force of love. And the stories, I mean, we could be on here for three hours with the stories of changes that happened in these people's lives, like all of a sudden they would say, wow, I had a stack of magazines filling an entire closet and one day, just a house on fire, I recycled them all.
0: I realized I didn't need
1: any of them because the intuition began to take over. Like that intuitive part lives outside of the realm of all of these shoulds and fears and phobias that there's this other part that's much vaster and that's the part we're invoking. So whether it's, you know, another woman, the issue was she was terrified of going to the dentist. She'd done all this hypnotherapy. She still couldn't get to a dentist. And I said, you know, offer it over. Even the act of going to the dentist can be spiritual. Ask to have the way shown, you know, that if you, if you need to go and you're meant to go, allow me to open to this. And mm-hmm. sure enough, I mean, she got some really serious work done that she needed. But it was from stopping thinking that it belonged to the ego. That's one of the keys to this whole thing you you offer it.
0: Well, what I like about that is the whole inner critic and, like you said, the shoulds. It yes. just becomes, I mean, you can go crazy trying to work that yes. shit
1: out. You know what I That's mean? It. Like, <laughs> That's it. That's it. And it's And it's hilarious because yeah. it's almost like, you know, when Einstein said you can never solve a problem from the same level of consciousness that created it, right. that is often the dialogue going on. It's like the ego fighting with the ego. Like, how is the ego, like you say, going to work its own shit out? It really can't. Yeah. And this thing, when you're actually diving into the deeper part that's below the argument, you know what I mean? It's not getting into that whole... I'm trying to improve myself, I'm trying to get better, I'm trying to get myself to do this or that. You're actually it's it's kind of like learning how to get into a plane and go above all that turbulence that mm-hmm. the ego creates and actually go above the clouds mm-hmm. to this place that each of us has mm-hmm. that is really the transpersonal self waiting to help. Yeah. And that's not just to help, I mean I'd say that's the true self. The human part is the human part, and then there's this vastness that is always waiting to help us, which is why I think when they say we only use about 5% of our brains, if we're lucky, that's the other 95%. Right.
0: Well, I want to dig into that a little bit. That's kind of on my list, where you, um again, here's the, the sort of mundane, I am a human being, I do have this incarnation, I am, yes. I have unique personality, Um yes. which, which of what I love about your stuff
1: is that you embrace that. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, if you, this whole bizarre spiritual idea that we would all be kind of robots that like little spiritual robots with fake smiles on our faces i mean i think this is this is really the interesting paradox like we are these unique as hell people with senses of humor and different tastes and different passions and you know all of it that's gorgeous and then there's also this transpersonal self that can be embraced like like we're really both yeah And I think you often get either, you know, the New Age world only embracing the human, or you get spiritual uh, paths that sometimes erase the human uniqueness. And to me, they're, they're equal. We are both. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's sort of my beef a little bit with a lot of the spiritual paths. And to me, it's like when you say New Age versus, let's say, Buddhism, to me, it's kind of all mixed, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of the spiritual paths are super masculine and that I I miss the sort of uh, celebration of the incarnation of our bodies. And yeah you know, it's interesting how I feel like this work that you're doing, and you're saying the divine, which feels very feminine to me. And it just feels like there's a new opportunity for a spiritual evolution that has more of the divine as the lead. And I'm not talking about going out into the woods, and we're getting naked, and we're banging on the drum, and we're, you know, invoking the goddess. And that's all good. Love that. But I'm just talking about from an inner evolutionary perspective. It yes. feels like we've skipped the body, we've skipped the we realm, we've, you yes. know, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think it's been a tremendous problem, this bypassing of the sacred, of the human, of the body, of, of all of it. And I do think it's been the, it's been the hatred of the feminine. Yeah. That has often been in traditional religions of almost any kind is that rejection of the feminine, which also lets you reject see so you have so many so both both of these books they obviously have a huge piece that's about receptivity, yeah. even though and to me that is a piece of the feminine, mm-hmm. even though part of it is also you know inside every woman is also the masculine, and sure. so we're all both right but i I couldn't agree with you more i think I do think times are changing. And, you know, even four years ago when I was first putting the first book together, in four years, it's like the number of people that have reached out and said, I am so ready for this message. They can feel their own internal clock, you know, not the baby clock, but like the awakening clock going, hey, this is inside me. I don't need an authoritarian structure telling me what's okay to feel or not feel, I need to tap this on the inside.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, oh God, we're going to get a little nuanced here, but I love it so much that the whole idea of surrender, one could argue, right, which is a spiritual principle that's been around, you know, I mean, gosh, you could just ride that all the way to the top, right? I mean, so... But what you're bringing into it is that's not the end of the story here. Like it's surrender, receptivity. It's a super connection-based spiritual practice. It's not just surrender. It's like I'm looking for signs. I'm listening. I'm trying to, you know, communicate in a way. And um, that to me, to keep that in a place that's in that, you know, sort of you know, co-creative without getting into this visioning and manifesting world is
1: it. tricky business. Well, it, it's really, how, how can I say this? If you plant the seed inside and you, like when people talk about intentions and they'll go, oh, you have to have intentions, like you have to intend that you want to, you know, make a million dollars next year. I always say, you know what my intention is? That the divine is leading this life. That's my intention. And let me tell you, that is a powerhouse intention. Mm -hmm. That you put that seed in your being and that seed goes wild. Mm -hmm. Because the way I see it is love is waiting for you to offer yourself to it. So it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, you're on your own trying to figure this out and hope for the best and you're in a crazy culture. that's always saying, ah, make it happen, do it, get it, da-da-da. It's like, no, as soon as you actually... Start to beckon that inner divine, and really both books have so much about that. It's really like a love affair that starts to bloom it it It's really it's just like unlocking the door and saying, Here, and you don't have to know how to do it all right from the get go It's that very first step of say, holding the intention I want to begin to allow something larger than the ego to take over just that intention like it's, it's it's amazing very very small steps can invite a whole different orientation to life right i want to push
0: back just a little bit and only because I want you to tell me how wrong I am. Um,
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, but people, like, Somehow people, I bring that out in people. I, mean, what I you know, I people? know.
0: You just, I just want you to just smack this down because I really want to believe in what you're saying, you know, for everything. <laughs> I mean, what, is there no place for the will here? I mean, I can't imagine like just when I think in terms of emerging women Wow, there was so much that has happened that, and I, you know, I struggle back and forth. Okay, I'm surrendering, I'm being receptive, and man, i got to make this call. If I'm not going to make this, if I can't make this call, like, no one's going to make this call,
1: you know? But but hold on, hold on. This is a great question, and I think it's one that really gets misunderstood. Yeah. This offering to the divine, this act of surrender, has nothing to do with passivity, and mm. I'll, I'll give you a good example, because it, 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 this, this just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. In general, I don't chase anything, because I come from this place that things that are meant to come to me, they always seem, they just do. You know, sometimes I have to wait, but they just do. Mm. But there are times, and one of the things that happened is I'd heard about a, there was a conference that happened in South Africa, and when I read the, the way the woman was writing, I knew she was a kindred spirit. It was very much the kind of stuff we're talking about right now. And so I just immediately wrote to her, and I said, hey, I'm totally excited by what you do. You know, uh, can, I, can I get on board with this and, and teach a class? Now, that wasn't my will going, I want this, I'll make it happen. That was a spontaneous, there's a word in Sanskrit that's really great. It's, it's like the sponda. There's this leap that happens in your being and you're not supposed to block that leap. The difference is how attached you are to the outcome. That's the issue. So I wrote to her and I pretty much offered it to the divine. It wasn't like I was meant to not write to her and go, oh, she'll find me. How would she have ever found me? So I wrote her and it was offered to the divine. And it was one of those things like ten minutes later from South Africa. She's like, whoa, who are you? Yes, yes, yes. So that was it. Now, if she'd never written back, I wouldn't have like, been stalking her, going, I need to be on your thing. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I would have sent one more down the road, but it's you start to follow the leads. And it has nothing to do with not taking the right action at the right time, but you're not attached to outcome. You start to realize... The attachment outcomes will cause us the suffering. Okay. Once once a business, let's say using the larger picture of the business, once a business is offered to the divine, and you're really saying, let the highest occur, especially if it's a business where you have other people will they'll benefit from your business like let's say what you're doing I mean yeah, women everywhere are benefiting from this right so you're offering the entire thing and then you're saying the right actions are shown at the right time for the highest good every true need will be met then you're not coming from all that scarcity that as you know infuses so many people like oh what if it doesn't work and what if my bills don't get paid you're constantly saying every true need's going to be met you're you know, one of the concepts in the book is you're aligning with divine source, which is the principle that abundance doesn't come from this person or that person. It really comes directly from this source of love. So if you're calling that into a business and then you're seeing every door that needs to open opens, you know, you start to feel when to act and when to wait. And there's nothing, I guess, I would say to chase. It's a very different Way and you know it's ironic. It makes me think of that story, as you probably know, how so many women don't get pregnant until they stop being yes. complete lunatics. I mean, that's yes. to me the consummate metaphor for it. Yeah, the number of women when they're running around beating their ovaries to a pulp, nothing happens. The minute they're like, "Oh fuck it, I'm never going to be pregnant. Let me just relax." Pregnant. Yeah. It's like, same thing with relationship. So many things just can't come until the force and the push is relaxed. Yeah. And a patriarchal culture that's all about fear and push and get and chase, that's a radical message. But it has nothing to do with passivity. Right. I mean, that's what
0: I, I love about your book, because you're calling it outrageous openness and it, it's a little
1: outrageous to be that yeah, open yeah. all the time <laughs> yeah but you know what's what's kind of funny if you think about it, it's like so many people find these books because they just can't take the suffering anymore yeah of they course. either burnt themselves out to you know a little ember or they get really sick like i had something happens they just can't take the stress anymore of carrying the burden and they deeply want a genuinely spiritual way to live like their soul just rises up i would say the human part is always there but the soul rises up and says oh good god you gotta give me another way to live yeah yeah i mean
0: i i feel that you know not only is it you know, providing reprieve from that lifestyle, I feel like it's even a step further. And I know you feel this way too, but it's actually a superpower that if you are starting a business, you know, you're getting your financial person, you're getting all these, you know, great connections, but you also want to be doing this kind of work too, to just make sure you're getting all of the synchronistic opportunities and magic and you're paying attention.
1: Yeah, and in a sense, you could say that what's... Again, I, I would almost say that the what starts to happen is that you're inviting the inconceivable in because even when people are coming from that manifesting thing and they're like, yes. oh, I need this, I need that, it's still very limited. It's mm-hmm. only what the ego can conceive of.
0: Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm.
1: when it's actually offered... And, you, you you, know, so often I'm really just saying to the divine, pure, like, let whoever needs to find my work find it, period. Like, that's my marketing campaign. <laughs> you know, yeah. Let whoever needs to find my work find it. Let whatever doors need to open, open. I am willing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like it makes things so... I, it's funny, when uh, I was first starting out with doing this, I remember I was talking to a PR woman, and she said, you know, you need some friends in high places. She goes, that, that's what opens the doors. And I'm like, I do have a friend in a high place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, like, but you have the ultimate friend in a high place. And that is a completely different way of understanding this. You don't have to go in and start trying to manipulate people to help you mm. because the doors that need to open are going to open. Right.
0: I'd love to get a little into the technical part of the work. Um, yeah. And maybe we could start with surrender and then I want to talk about receptivity. Okay. And actually, how does that work? When you say surrender, what do you mean?
1: I would say it goes back to the um, concept of offering that I was talking about earlier that okay you figure let's use the example again of a business everything in a culture as we have is saying that's yours hold on tight make it happen you go you force it it's all coming from the belief system that that business actually belongs to your ego same thing, I can give you, you know, sometimes it's easier to talk about. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what just happened to somebody I know with a house she wanted to sell. She owned a house. This thing has been a burden. She had a divorce. She wanted to get rid of the house. Nobody was buying it, nothing was happening. She offered the house to the divine, and she really said, The perfect buyer for this house is already selected. They will prosper from it, they will benefit from it. They will, you know, the, the person who needs this will find it and they're already selected and I'm open to being shown the right actions at the right time. That was the act of surrender regarding that health. Now, sometimes just doing that, you literally have to do nothing and a person like walks in out of the air. But for her, that didn't happen and she just started to listen to her body and she suddenly just got out of nowhere. This. She never uses Craigslist and she just got this intuition. I'm sticking this thing on Craigslist. It sold in 48 hours on Craigslist. Wow. It was like, you know, but it was just the kind of thing that's not conventional wisdom. She never got a broker. She didn't do any of the shoulds. It like frees you from the tyranny of all the shoulds and all the workshops of what's the right way to do it and blah, blah, blah. She did it. That's why, like you say, it's outrageous. She, Simply followed her gut. Right. Her gut sold the house on Craigslist. But this goes beyond just following your gut because you can follow your gut and still think the outcome belongs to the ego. So this is radical because she really had to say, this isn't my house. This, This house is now cast to the divine and let it have the highest outcome. And the woman who bought it was thrilled to death. The woman who sold it got exactly the amount that, you know, really served what she needed. It was just all Mm -hmm. kind of seamless. And I'm not, you know, it's those things. You you learn to practice that way. That's it.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Because on the surrender side, um, first you just need to kind of say the words, right? I mean, even that's just hard. And like, you know, okay, this is not my house, right?
1: Well... Well, but uh, yeah, and I think sometimes you have to find like that's why I really wrote both books because this is this can sound weird, you know. When <laughs> sure, there's some of people course. listening to us talk going like, are they on crack? But you're not. It's 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 a practice that is that's deep in both books. So I would kind of say if it's a brand new to somebody, at least pick up the first book. I read just open this, you start to get a sense of it. But yes, you're you're getting uh, the what you're doing is you're moving out of the trance that everything belongs to the ego right. and the truth is if you die tomorrow sure that house is sure not going with you uh-huh. and, and it. it's like that's really the consummate illusion is you get people saying that all the time on their deathbed it never was mine it's clearly not going with me yeah. now it doesn't mean she didn't get to keep the money when the house sold this is very practical yeah. this is just the release of all that grasping and attachment. And, you know, uh, one thing sometimes I'll, I'll say to people, like if you take your hand right now and you make it a fist and you think about what it's like when you're gripping something like, oh, I can't lose this person or, oh, I can't lose this job. And then you can see your fist. Nothing can come in. If you open your hand into a posture of receptivity, That's literally the meaning of what we're talking about. You're opening, you're releasing the grasp. There's actually a Sanskrit word for it, aparagraha, which means Mm non-grasping. And it's a yogic virtue, non-grasping, learning to let what wants to come come, learning to let what wants to go go. I mean, these are like, a lot of the ideas in the books actually come out of really ancient yogic texts that are just all ideas we're not taught to live anymore, and mm-hmm. you can make them very modern and contemporary, you know otherwise, yeah. what good would they be and so that's what it's doing is you're you're opening the hand so that what wants to come can come and what wants to go can go, and it takes practice yeah that's why I, that's why I started the forum because so many people wrote after the books, and they were like, "I need to practice this yeah. I don't have anybody around me that knows how to think this way, and so I, I started the online community, but really anyone can learn to do it over time.
0: Well, the thing that I like and how you were explaining that, both in terms of the hand and the gut, is that there seems to be a somatic component to surrender.
1: Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. And
0: you, like for me i i feel like i'm really drawn to that because it's one thing to be in my mind which is i think a great first mm. step to kind of mm. gather around that perspective that okay this i don't own and i want to hand this over but until i actually really do it in a physical way i'm really kind of stuck in the brains version of surrender
1: yeah i love what you i love that you're bringing that up i mean one way to do it is literally Um, to sit, like to think of something that you're deeply attached to. Sometimes I'll do this and I'll sit, I'll put my hands on my stomach because the stomach is so often the part that clenches around the second and the third chakras. And I'll put my hands on my stomach and I'll just breathe into my stomach and I'll say, you know, this topic is now offered 100% back the divine for the perfect resolution for the highest outcome Mm. and you're literally breathing it into your belly because so often especially for women that's the part that is going "Ah!" so yes and i i think a lot of times the body will understand this before the mind can yes
0: oh that was good i've just been doing that that's nice Doesn't Um, feel good. It feels fabulous. Instantly,
1: I think anybody listening to us who just, you just go, ah, you
0: know, yeah, it's all
1: offered back now for the perfect outcome.
0: Right. So that's the surrender piece, and this is the the part that you know, of course, it's hard to surrender, but it's also the part that I get tripped up on is on the receptivity piece and not turning that those signs into you know, more things to go after, but to hold yeah, them, yeah. you know, one, to find out where, what are the signs and what's the universe saying and what's the divine telling me? And then two, yeah. like using that, being a good steward of, of those signs.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another great question. Well, one thing I would say is that there are two, to me there are, well, there's many different kinds of signs, but, but, but a good distinction to make is between the inner signs and the outer ones. And so the inner ones, I think, in some ways are primary because the outer ones sometimes you can get very attached and confused to. But again, to go back to what you were saying about the body, the body will not lie. So, for example, I don't know why I'm thinking about this because it came up in the forum, this, like this thing about dating this woman, you know, was recently single. And so she had these people going, you have to get out there. You have to make it happen. You have to even date people that you have no draw to. And, you know, she was listening to all this again, coming from that push force, whatever. And she applied this and she went inside and she offered it and she felt, I don't, (laughs) my cats are fighting. Go away. You guys, my, uh she offered it and then she realized in her own body she had no desire to do any of that she could feel in her own body that when the time was right she was going to encounter the right person or she would be drawn to take an action and go do something and that they would be there but that this thing of forcing herself to do something that her own body had no interest in doing was simply coming out of other people's scarcity so the 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 sign was really from the body. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, yeah. Uh I even have a I even have a story about that in Outrageous Openness where uh they were trying to give away a free seat
0: mm-hmm. on the
1: plane and my body was like, Don't you stand up and grab that seat like it was that sponda, like, go get it, girl, it's for you and my mind was like, I I can't take that seat right now I have to be in California tomorrow so it was and it turned out that really the universe was trying to get me to take the seat it's like the body so often knows and we're trained over and over to ignore the message so the whole piece of the signs is somatic and it's going back in to listen to what your body's telling you even with something like you know when you're around a certain person you never feel good The body's often saying, wow, maybe don't be around them so much. Something's happening when you're around them. Like very basic things you just start to listen to. So that's one side of signs. And the other, are the stuff, you know, that are more the other ones, like a song comes on, a billboard. And I think those, over time, you really start to take it with a light hand. You know, like you don't. Like you're saying, you don't grasp onto it and go. Oh, now, because truthfully, if it's a true sign, it will bear fruit. Yeah, it, that's the thing. If it's if it's true, if it really is this force of love talking to you, it will open the door, so you don't have to force it. Right.
0: You know, it's interesting why I love so much your focus on surrender in conjunction with this receptivity, and that it's not just receptivity. Um, and I've been trying to like put my finger on that, and I feel that we don't get as much if we don't initiate with the surrender. It feels like for me that when I practice the surrender, I notice more. I'm more
1: receptive. Is that yes? Is that yes, possible? But no. I I think that. Okay. I think I think that's absolutely right because they really are the two wings of a bird. You know, that immediately, like when you did that thing of going into the belly and relaxing it back to this force of love, you immediately, it's almost like the the receptivity happens spontaneously.
0: Yeah, and it just seem, feels deeper or yeah, I just find that I notice more. Yeah, it's lovely that they're coming together in this work. And um,
1: Well, yeah. and you know, one way you could think about it, is that again going from a patriarchal like you know, sometimes I think it's Alyssa Rankin, she has this line where she just says it's it's sort of like testosterone poisoning, like that push that's always like you gotta do it, you gotta do it, you can never stop, you can never rest, you know, you gotta make it happen. This is the balance to that. It's not that you you know, I'm all for you go when it's time to kick butt, you kick butt. It's nothing to do with that. It's right. that the This is literally the other side of the equation that keeps things in a balanced harmony. You start to listen from the inside to that divine. Yeah.
0: I want to bring this back now. We've done the receptivity piece. How do we... Is there a room for vision? And again, I, you know, we've already talked about manifesting in vision boards and that's yeah, not really yeah. what I'm talking about, but yeah. I feel like it's women in particular, I feel like our vision, we limit our visions. You know, I do this yeah. myself and I'm, I'm really stretching myself to have a bigger and bigger vision, both for emerging yeah. women, for my life. And how can we be receptive and use the signs in a way that you know, consciously creates a vision that may be beyond our wildest dreams or bigger than we thought. And
1: well, I think, again, it's kind of funny. Once I was talking to uh, somebody, some interview, and and the person said, you know, every road goes back to offering, doesn't it? And, and I was like, yeah, it kind of does because, again, there's, you know, I think having a vision or whatever, these are things that are part of our spontaneous humanity, you know, it's part of our spontaneous creative impulse is that ideas come, visions come, that's all beautiful. I think the difference is the clinging to the outcome, the forcing of the outcome, the suffering that says, and here's my vision and why isn't it happening fast enough? And it's not the vision itself. The vision itself can be a very pure thing. When it's offered to this force of love, then a kind of patience starts to come in about the unfolding. Uh-huh. Because, you see what I mean? It has no, you know, if, if you were a human with no vision, it would be a very boring life because, right. look, it's, it's like that birthing is always trying to occur. But sometimes I think it really is, going back to that metaphor of childbirth is really interesting because you think, okay, when somebody, I never had kids, but when somebody had a baby, you're not going in there and going, oh, and I'm gonna make it happen. Like there's something organic that occurs that also allows for the gestation of the baby and also knows when it needs to come out. And we're not taught that same approach to vision. It's, it's taught, as it's like it belongs to the ego, And it's a project and it will, I will make it occur. And then maybe I'll, uh, there's one way to look at this is you could say, uh, that's why I don't use the terms co-creating because a lot of co-creating as people use it is it's my vision belonging to the ego and God's going to kind of be my bitch and help. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. You're actually offering it to this force of love saying, here's my vision, I'm offering this to the universe to show me all the actions for the highest outcome, for the good of all. You know, it also removes it out of that selfishness and really puts it into for the good of all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, it's relentless. You've got to be relentless with this stuff. No, so, well, <laughs> but here's,
1: the, here's, here's the thing, Chantal. It also really becomes fun. Yes. Like, I I really just have to say that. Tell me more about that. I'm just, I'm a really playful person. And I mean, that's why I was really laughing when you were talking about some, you know, standardized spiritual groups. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'd sit there kind of rolling my eyes because I am a playful person. And so what starts to happen, the more you're inviting in this force of love to engage with you in these very practical ways, whether you're like standing in line at Walgreens, I mean, wherever you are, you're making this constant invitation. It, it is very playful. Oh. And you just start to view your life in such a different way, partly because the burden of carrying all these desires and plans and things, this burden is so exhausting. How could you even have that? And, and the other part is that you start to begin to see synchronicity everywhere you just start to see the lineup happen a lot and in some periods you offer something over and nothing happens and you start to trust that it's because things aren't lining up yet and you're in a period of gestation where you need to just wait but you really start to feel yourself in a relationship with what's called the Shakti. I mean, in India, it's the Shakti, and it's the this force of the divine that is the goddess birthing everything. And yes. it's like she's waiting to engage with you, but can't really come without an invitation. Right. So beautiful.
0: Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I feel that, I don't know, the timing right now for your work is super ripe and it's so practical and I've been playing around with it knowing, you know, um since I've read the book Outrageous Openness and the the prayers are fabulous too. Um, Oh thank you. Very practical. Um and I've you know haven't dug into those but you mentioned your forum. What other ways um can I would say as as we're casting off right now Can you help, you know, besides the books, um, your forum is on your
1: website? Yeah, you know, if people go to the Toshasilver.com website, there's just a ton of stuff there. There's a forum that they can join. There's actually about 30 recordings on all these different topics, like opening up to your intuition more and, you know, learning how to offer. There's actually a whole course on how to do the offering and there's one on how to work with Strong desires, I mean there's a ton of courses and recordings, and also, if people go to my facebook author page yeah. then uh, and they like it i'm I'm on there more than I should be oh, <laughs> that's so yay, it's that's like great. When, whenever I really have something new that I'm writing, I usually just try it out there so There's a lot of writing that ends up on the Facebook author page.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And if you were going to give one prayer for, and I I already told you a little bit about our audience, they're feeling the fire, they're emerging. Um, What prayer, and there's a lot of fear and self-doubt that goes with that because you're really making a commitment to this inner-outer alignment, which is not a trivial thing. Do you you have one prayer that you feel would be, like your go-to, always have this in your back pocket? Um.
1: <laughs> um, I, would, I would say it might be a prayer actually about, you know, the offering, like learning how to do the offering, like where you could say, you know, allow me to begin to trust that everything, that everything, all of my actions about, say, this business, it's all offered now to this source of love that the right actions will be shown at the right time, that I can relax and open and be receptive and know that I'll be shown when to act and when to wait, and that this offering every day becomes easier and easier. Fabulous.
0: Thank you so much, Tosha.
1: Thank you. It's really fun to talk with you, Chantal.
0: Yay. Can't wait to see you in October. Yeah. Emerging Women yeah, Live in hard. San
1: Francisco. Oh, it's gonna be great.
0: Sounds okay.
1: Great. Take care. Take care. Take care.